evidence and answers. You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an international teacher, speaker, and author in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Recently, Pat was able to speak to a group of college and high school students in New York, and he addressed many tough questions, such as, why couldn't God have created Adam and Eve so that they would not sin and bring evil into the world? If we do not sin in heaven, how can we have free will? And why does God allow people to suffer eternally for a finite crime committed on earth? These are challenging questions. So now with part two of Tough Questions About God, Evil, and Suffering is our host, Pat Zucran. You're listening to Evidence and Answers, where we provide compelling evidence for faith and hope in Christ and biblical answers to the challenges Christians face today. Well, question number four from our students is this. If in heaven people have the free will to decide not to sin, why couldn't God have created Adam and Eve with the free will to decide not to sin? Well, that's a very interesting question. Remember, free will means that one has the ability to obey or to do otherwise. Remember, in order for a being, as I stated, to be perfect, they must be able to do the greatest act of good that can possibly be done. And what's the greatest moral act of good that can be done? Well, it's to love. Well, love requires free will. I mean, one must choose to love, all right? If I program you so that you love me, then you're not free. You're basically a robot. Okay? If I program you not to sin, but to obey my every command, I haven't created a free creature. I've simply created a robot. It's difficult to say, you know, how could Adam and Eve have freedom and the ability to love if they had free will to decide not to sin? Then they really wouldn't have free will. And freedom is not a bad thing. We fight for freedom. Our founding fathers knew that was innate in our human nature as God has designed us that way. Nobody fights to be in bondage. Nobody wants to be a programmed robot. We want to be free to make our decisions. But unfortunately, that also means we suffer the consequences of our bad decisions. And Adam and Eve being free creatures, love must be entered into freely. Free will means you have the ability to decide otherwise. And they chose to disobey. And as a result, sin and evil entered into the world. All right? So God created them without the capability of disobeying. Then they would not be free creatures and they would not be capable of love. Next question is related to this. You know, in the end, we are perfected with God's law in our hearts and there is no sin in heaven. If that's the case, then have we lost our free will? If not, doesn't that mean that free will and the inability to sin are not mutually exclusive? Is this more perfect form than Adam and Eve is possible? Shouldn't a truly perfect creature be unable to do evil? Well, I've answered you know the last part in the previous question, but let's address the issue of being perfect in heaven and not sinning in heaven. In heaven, it is true that our sin nature is gone and we are made perfect in every way. And that doesn't mean we lose our free will. We have attained what we have always wanted for so long. And when you get to heaven, you're not going to be sitting there going, Oh, I wish I struggled with sin again. Oh, I wish I struggled with lust and 
the temptation for adultery and illicit anger. Say, oh, I wish I struggled with that again. No, you're not going to be wishing that. You know, for example, a lot of us are ex-smokers. And when you're talking to an ex-smoker, he's saying, man, I'm glad it's over. I'm glad I don't have the shakes anymore. Or, you know, when I smell tobacco, my body doesn't start to shake and wish, man, I could have another puff of that cigarette or cigar. I mean, when you're talking to ex-smokers, they are glad that it's over. That's what it's going to be in heaven. You're not going to be sitting there going, oh, I wish I struggled with sin again, you know, and had the problem with lust and could choose otherwise. Sin is something you'll be happy to have left behind. In heaven, you know, you've fulfilled what you have freely always wanted. That is the struggle against sin and evil is finally over. It's like two people who wait before they're married. When they get married, it's fulfilled what the couple has always wanted, you know, a lifetime together. So that's what it's like. You're in heaven in full perfection and your struggle with sin is over. All right, next question. Uh, why does God cause people to suffer infinitely in hell for their finite sins here upon the earth? Well, that's a tough question. And the answer is not the time, but the severity of the crime. Right? For example, I may take years to plot uh, robbing a store, and then I eventually rob the store. Okay, well, I'll probably spend five, ten years in jail, all right? But if I murder somebody, I may spend a lifetime in jail. Now, the bank robbery may have taken, uh, or the store robbery may have taken years or hours to plan, but the murder may have happened in just a few seconds, all right? But I'm going to spend a lifetime in prison for something that happened for just a few seconds. You see, it's not the time, it's the severity of the crime. And a sin against an infinite God rejecting His offer of eternal life through the death of His Son that has been offered to all, you know, to reject that means that your sin has not been atoned for, alright? And that means you're eternally separated from God. God is righteous and cannot have sin in his kingdom. And so if sin is not atoned for, then one who still has sin cannot enter the kingdom of God. If you come to the United States and you don't have a valid passport, you're not getting into the United States. You know, No matter how nice of a person you are or how intelligent or wealthy or what you can contribute, without that valid passport, you are not coming in. That's just how our just legal system works. And with God, there's a sense of holiness and justice that sin cannot enter into heaven. It must be justly atoned for. And the price has already been paid on the cross. It's been offered to everyone. And someone who rejects that spends eternity away from the Lord, a okay? quarantine in a place called hell. So it's not the time it's the severity of the crime the next question if god knew that humans would sin and bring evil into this world why did he bother to create them in the first place well that's another tough question the best i can say is that is the nature of love love would rather give of itself even if it loses than to remain safe and never take that risk at all right for example your mother and father why did they have children? Did they think that every morning their son and daughter would wake up and say, 
Mom, Dad, what do you want me to do today? How can I bless you today? Is that what they thought when they had kids? I don't think so. And if they did, boy, have they been sorely disappointed. When they had children, what did they expect? They probably expected sleepless nights. They probably expected discipline and even suffering. And at 18 years old, that child may turn and look at you and say, I hate you and I never want to see you again and cause tremendous heartache. Uh, that child may lose a kidney and you may have to sacrifice, make a great sacrifice to save the life of that child. I mean, it'll cost you dearly. Why in the world then did your parents want children? Why not just save the money, invest in themselves, go on cruises around the world? Why have children? I'll tell you why. It's because the love of two people, a mother and father, so in love with one another, wanted to share that love with someone special, someone in their image who they could share their love with in a very special way. Your parents can love me, but the way they love you is a lot different. It's much more deeper than the love they'll ever share you know, with a friend like me. All right, And so that's why your parents had kids. That's why God created men and women because love would rather give of itself than not give at all. And God knew that men would sin. God knew that it would cost him his one and only son to rescue us from sin and death. And he saw that it was all worth it and was more than willing to do it and would do it again. So that's the best answer I can give you. Why did he bother to create man in the first place? It's because of love. Well, next question, how could a good God allow people to have something like same-sex attraction but then condemn homosexual behavior as sin? Well, you know, there's several ways you can answer this question, but we have not discovered any kind of biological or genetic connection that men and women are born gay. All the attempts to prove that that somehow a genetic disposition or that men and women are born gay has not made its case. You can go to evidenceandanswers.org and listen to our shows on homosexuality and they have not proven any kind of biological cause. Maybe predisposed to homosexuality, you know, but that's the result of living in a fallen world. Some people, like our families, born with hot blood hot-blooded folks. Well, that doesn't excuse us if we get into fights or commit crimes because we are angry. That's just part of living in a fallen world. And there are those that are born addicted to cocaine, you know, cocaine babies. That's the result of living in a fallen world. Well, do we say, well, then have all the cocaine you want. You know, it's okay. You can't help it. We can't condemn you. No, we do everything we can to turn them from a dangerous behavior to a more healthy lifestyle that will bring them the fullness of joy in life. And same thing with uh, homosexuality. I mean, people may be born with these tendencies, but that's a very dangerous, dangerous lifestyle. Listen to our shows on homosexuality and many ex-homosexuals that we interview, many of them had well over a hundred partners during their life in the homosexual world. The promiscuity rate is very high for the average. The human body is not meant for homosexual sexual activity. And so it's a very dangerous, dangerous lifestyle. So it's the result of living in a fallen world and 
what we do is we try to bring people from an unhealthy, dangerous behavior to a lifestyle that is much more healthier, that'll bring the fullness of joy and life there. So though you may be born with those tendencies, and, and we're born with all kinds of sinful tendencies, you know, that's just the result of the fall. And what we do is we try to help you steer you into a more healthy lifestyle. Next, let's see. The free will defense in the sermon that I gave said that humans made the potential for evil an actual thing. How does our sinful nature fit into this mode? Is our sinful nature created by God or is it actualized by some other means? Why would sinning once, actualizing evil, give us our sinful nature? Oh, great question. Well, to answer that question, our sinful nature is not created by God. Our sinful nature is the result of the actions of our first parents, Adam and Eve. And remember, free will is not a bad thing, but in free will there is the potential for evil. So as the result of Adam and Eve choosing wrongly, sin and evil entered into the world and we developed a sinful nature, right? Why would sinning once actualizing evil give us our sinful nature? Well, that nature is passed down to the next generation. It's like a virus. When your computer first begins, I mean, it's clean, all right? But over time, it picks up viruses. And unless it is dealt with, okay, those viruses pass on to your next computer and on down the road unless it is dealt with. So as a result of the original sin, you read in Genesis, the results of sin and evil entering in the world affected all parts of creation all right and as a result not only our nature but all of creation then is affected by sin the next question you've explained how all suffering can be used to teach us and grow us but can god not bring about the same outcomes without suffering is it fair that some people should suffer more than others well can god teach us other ways without suffering? I really don't know how he could. I really don't know how he could. In Hebrews, it talks about the Son of God learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So if Jesus had to learn by the things that he suffered, I don't know any other way that we can learn. We learn more through the tough times than the good times. I don't learn much you know, from people who had a very easy life. I learn a lot more and am inspired by those who overcame great odds, you know, and uh, came through it. Learn a lot from people who have, you know, physical disabilities, Johnny Erickson Tata, Nick Vujicic, and others who have overcome tremendous obstacles. I mean, that's tremendously inspiring. You know, it's like jujitsu, right? How do I get better? Well, I can grapple, you know, once I hit the blue belt, you know, I enjoy grappling white belts because I usually win. But am I going to get any better? No, I had to go up against the upper belts. And you know what that meant? A lot of suffering, getting into a lot of arm bars and chokes and all kinds of ankle torques and all kinds of painful positions. But that's the only way I'm going to get better is through those tough times. How does a piano player get better? Just playing basic music all the time? No, they got to go to more difficult songs. That means more practice, more hard times. How does a mathematician get better just doing addition, subtraction? No, they got to do calculus and very difficult 
kinds of equations they need to figure out. It doesn't seem possible that we can learn without suffering. I don't know any other way that God can really create in us the quality character he needs to. But, you know, that's why suffering has a purpose. Unlike Buddhism that tries to escape suffering by eliminating all desire and attachment to this world, James 1 says, consider it pure joy when you face trials of all sorts. Why? Because our trials here have a purpose. Right? Creating, refining our character and transforming our thinking. And that's really the only way we're going to learn. Is it fair that some people should suffer more than others? No, it's not. And you know what? Life's not fair. This sin-fallen world, life is just not fair. Uh, some people are going to suffer more than others. And if you look, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, nobody suffered more than Jesus Christ. Was that fair? 1 Corinthians chapter 5, God made him who had no sin to be sin on our behalf that we may, we may become the righteousness of God. Was that fair? No. He was perfect in every way, loving in every way, yet he suffered the cruelty and all the sin of the world was placed upon him. I mean, that's really not fair. No one suffered more than the Son of God himself. That's just life. Life is just not fair in this fallen world. But there will come a day when the righteous shall be rewarded justly, and the wicked shall receive their judgment. But in this lifetime, no, things aren't always going to be fair. But there is purpose through our struggles, and God refines us. And you look at all the great people that God used in the Bible and in life, through their suffering, uh, they became powerful testimonies to Christ and a great inspiration to others. So it's worth it all. The next question, can you briefly compare how we understand suffering across different theistic religions? I don't think this was discussed as much, uh, for example, Islam. Well, in Islam, Allah is sovereign over all things. And uh, nothing happens without the predestined will of Allah, which means Allah is responsible for good and evil. Look at the Quran, Allah deceives, you know, Allah does evil. All right, and is responsible for evil. So they're both resident in Allah. Okay, that's different from the Bible. It teaches that there is no sin in God. God cannot do any evil. He allows it in order to bring about his purpose. All right, because free creatures need the ability to exercise the ability to choose. All right, and that sometimes that means we suffer the consequences. But God even uses that to bring about his purpose and then something like the pantheist worldview you know in which all is god pantheism pan means all theism is god god is not a person god is a it the energy of the universe or some people try to make brahman or the one you know some kind of personal being like taoism or you know in hinduism if if, if all is god then you run into greater difficulty there because good and evil are resident in God. So now you've got a problem. You're either going to have to say there's a couple of choices that the pantheist religions make. But evil, this world is an illusion, like Buddhism, and therefore evil is ultimately an illusion. Or you're going to have to say evil is not really evil. It, it kind of just is, like Taoism, right? There's life, there's death. There's light, there's darkness. They're, they just live in a balance 
with one another. One neither conquers the other, it just is. Hinduism, you've got the Hindu triad, Brahman, the creator, Vishnu, the sustainer, Shiva, the destroyer. Well, Shiva's not evil, it's death and all that is just is. That's just Shiva's job. That's just the way things go. You accept it. But in Christianity, you have you know God who is all good and will one day defeat evil and bring it to an end. They're not in an equal standing and they balance one another. So that's how we understand evil and suffering across different religions. In Buddhism and in the pantheistic religion, suffering is something you try to escape from. And in Buddhism, the tradition I grew up in, do that by eliminating desire and all attachments to this world. That's why the Buddhist monk lives a solitary life and they own nothing. Complete detachment from this illusionary world. Well, Christianity doesn't offer escape from suffering, but victory over suffering and meaning through our suffering. That's why it's the Christian worldview. When it comes to evil and suffering that I say offers the best, most reasonable answer to the problem of evil and suffering and then really the only true message of hope in the midst of those in the midst of those very difficult times like we're facing now. Next question. So the purpose of those born flawed is to teach those around them? What if they seek something more in life than just serve as a way for those around them to see how selfish and ungrateful they are? I believe that we each inherently desire more from life. I believe that your answer, but it's all going to end, is shallow and simply simplistic to say the least. There has to be greater meaning in suffering than to know it's all going to end. Well, correct. I think one of the things I said, one of the brief examples I gave, is that those who are born with many um, physical defects, uh, I was asked, why would God allow them to be born and live difficult, meaningless lives of suffering? And I said, you know, their lives are not meaningless. There's tremendous meaning, especially to those around them who care for them. They teach us how to care for those who can't care for themselves. And we realize, we learn a lot from those who have physical shortcomings. I mean, I watched and I helped out some who had physical defects and I realized how selfish I was, how ungrateful I was for you know basic things that I have and yet how joyful they were for simple things and how much they appreciated. And I came and I drove them around and things and how I didn't want to make time for them or do things for them. I, I realized I used to think I'm a pretty generous guy but I realized I really wasn't. There were a lot of ways in which I grew up taking care of people who had a lot of physical ailments and you look at brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers who have siblings, sons and daughters who have great physical needs. I mean, boy, the children really grow up fast and they grow up learning how to care for one another and, you know, are much more mature than other children, you know, who have it all. But it's more than that as well. I agree with you. Those who have those physical or mental challenges, it means a lot to them to experience the care and love that others give them in maybe a limited way that they experience, maybe not in full way they could have, but there's tremendous meaning in their lives as, as long or as short as it can be when they experience the tremendous care and love that others 
have for them. It's tremendously meaningful. And so it's meaningful for both, for those who have those deficiencies and those who are caring for them. I don't think saying that one day it's going to come to an end when we're all in glory with Christ is shallow. I think there's tremendous meaning in that. That's what Christ died for, and that's the tremendous hope that we have. You know, that's not our only answer, but in the end, that's going to be the ultimate answer to this. And so I don't think that's uh, shallow. I think that's tremendous, and really it's the only message of hope that there's something more beyond this sin-fallen world here. That's the greatness of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That's all the time we have for today. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact them through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support. From you, our listeners, for the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. You'll find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Oh, 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 oh,